I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, July 24th, 2021, and this is episode 130 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is I got the edits back for the heist novel, The Monsters We Defy. Uh, I had a wonderful conversation with my editor, Nivia Evans, at Orbit, and she gave the edits uh, to me like on our call, as opposed to normally you would get an edit letter. And she was like, I want to do something a little bit different. And I was like, yeah, I'm here for it. So I took a bunch of notes and um, like three pages of notes <laughs> on the, the manuscript. Um, but it was really good feedback. I didn't actually disagree with anything. A lot of times when you get an edit letter, you know, there's there's a process. And I always kind of advise newer writers who've never been edited this, like whether it's, you know, a freelance editor that, you, that you've hired or you're acquiring editor at a traditional publisher. Edit letters are often long. I, I get like eight page editorial letters. Um, that's not unusual. And they're often painful, you know, like you have, you know, especially the first few ones when you think that you've or maybe just the first one, like when you don't know what to expect. And you think you've done this book and it's just going to need some light, some dusting, you know, some, you know, polish the edges, uh, just brush a few crumbs off of it. And you get an eight page letter back and you cry. <laughs> and I'm like, it's okay to cry. It's pretty normal. And then maybe have some not so nice feelings about your editor and like also very normal. Um, you know, you go through the stages of grief, denial, anger, I don't know all the rest of them, but I'm sure that they go through them all. And then in a day or two, you read it again and you're like, oh, yes, she's right. <laughs> I need to change all of those things. <laughs> or like 85, 90% of those things. And that's the normal like stage. Um, this time, I didn't really have that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I should have done that. And okay, all right. Yeah, no, I get that. I see where you're coming from. Um, it was very interesting. So... That was earlier in the week, uh, I want to say like Tuesday or Wednesday. And I just, I took the notes, I saved them, I backed them up so I wouldn't lose them and printed them out and then did not look at them for the rest of the week. Other, this week's best thing is that I finished Savage City, which is what I did the rest of the week. I really finished it. It's gone. I sent it to my editor. I sent it to the beta readers. So it is out of my hands for the next month or so. So I can completely focus on uh, the other things that I'm working on, including the edits for Monsters. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, Savage City, the journey of that book, I've talked about it before. It's a very long time coming, five years. I've been working on that on and off, mostly off. But I was actually reviewing, because I'm doing the, the read-along for Cry of Metal and Bone on Instagram. And so I was looking through my old notebooks, and I was looking through these old videos. I was keeping a, a video diary from like 2017 to 2019, and it predated the podcast and then overlapped a little. And I stopped it because when I'm looking, when I'm like recording these videos, I can't remember. I was having a hard time remembering whether I said that on the video diary or I, whether I'd already said it on the podcast. And my, my memory is bad enough already that I try not to, like, I know there's going to be duplication. I'm going to talk about the same thing sometimes and probably tell the same stories. But I tried to minimize that as much as humanly possible with the state of my, my memory. And it was just very difficult to do when I was recording the private videos and then the public videos. So, but I had started the, the video diary just so I could 
have a record of what I was thinking about. You know, I had tried to do it on text, like via via writing, <laughs> via typing words. But after hours of writing, uh, I was just like, I didn't want to write anymore. I need to give my wrists a break. So I was reviewing some of those, uh, looking for the ones that I had recorded when I was writing Cry of Metal and Bone. And I just, I didn't listen to all of them, but I listened to several of them. So it was a service that is no longer in existence called Mind Longer. And it was really helpful that I would just go online, I would record max five minutes of video, and my thoughts, my hopes, my fears, my <laughs> frustrations, and um, some of the stuff that I can't tell you guys because it's just not for public consumption, I could say it in my video diaries. And I was listening back on those and um, some of the changes that Savage City has gone through is uh, a lot. It's been a long journey. So being able to say that the manuscript, this version of it is done, it's off to an editor, it's off to people who can read it and give me feedback is the whole thing. <laughs> Just such a milestone. And I I'm deeply, deeply grateful to have gotten there. And I I was reading over the story for the final time in this draft and just just loving it. Like there's you know, some things that I'm like, mm, I'm not sure about this, but I'll let, you know, my editor, the readers tell me what's what they think about that. But I got to the end and I was just like, my heart was so full. And it's just a wonderful feeling to have worked for so long and so hard on the story that I just, I do really love the story. And I like where it has ended up, even if it's not where I intended all in all the ways. So yeah, another milestone. Also, I have the idea for the second Orbit book. So it was a two-book contract, two standalones. I had no idea what book two was going to be. I had some other ideas at first that I think are still good ideas for the future, but this next book is due next June. And I just didn't feel like with the other projects, I had enough mental time to devote to something completely brand spanking new, which is what this other idea was. So the idea that I am planning for is another old idea, another unfinished manuscript that I have been working on for a couple of years like that has been in existence for a couple of years. Like every so often I'll kind of look look at it again, think about it again. I have worked on it again here and there. N- not quite like Savage City, not quite as much like baggage and um, and changes, but like kind of close. Like anything that I've had unfinished that I've been thinking about for years is going to have a little bit, I guess it's baggage, a little bit of, of history, you know, it's like it's got some wrinkles on it. <laughs> This is a book that I actually, I think it was in 2017, I commissioned a cover for. I paid a lot of money for that cover. It's a gorgeous cover. I love it, but I'm not going to be able to use it because obviously if I'm going to get to Orbit, then I'm not going to use that. And even if I had self-published it, I'm changing the title. I don't know what the title is going to be, and the story is just going to be different. But oh, my heart weeps for this cover that is so gorgeous that I don't know. Maybe I'll be able to um, use it again. I can... Ob- always get the cover designer to change the words on the title for some future thing. But for now, it is a new old idea radically being changed. I'm changing the time period of it. Uh, And so I'm starting idea generation. I have not given it a notebook yet. I just have some notes in a text file in, in, in my head, but I do need to assign a notebook, get a folder for it, 
that's like the beginning of my process for starting a new, a new book. And yeah, not much to say about it yet, but it is a paranormal thriller. It was it started out as YA way back in the day. And it's not going to be YA anymore. I'm going to age the main character up a little bit. But I am excited about it. Speaking of starting new things, I'm going to link to Sarah Cannon's Heart Breathings video where she does a whole video on her process of starting the 12th book in her series. It's the last book in her her series. I forget the name of it now. It used to be the Peachville Demons series. And I read the first six books like years ago. And she took a lot of time off in between books for personal reasons. And she talks about that in the video. But her process for starting a new book is is just very her. Like So Sarah Cannon, uh, she writes paranormal um YA and other things too. And she has this heart breathing channel because she's a big planner. She's like into the whole planners, washi tape, all those things. I talk about her a lot because she does the HB90 um, quarterly planning method. And so she's very into aesthetics and like pretty things and pretty tape and making things pretty good that, make, that keeps her interest up in it. So she has this very elaborate routine of creating, you know, custom note card notebooks and planners and decorating everything and things that I just don't have the patience for, but I appreciate watching her videos on them. So I will link to that. So for me, the process is to start a new notebook. I use the um, Moleskin Kai, Kai Hair journals, different sizes. This is like the big one. Uh, I usually put stickers on them, whatever stickers I happen to have around. And then I get a folder to put all the worksheets and papers that I print out, um, notes, synopses, in them, these are just like I use staples folders, the sort of poly plasticky ones. I'd been using more of the paper folders before, but they get pretty raggedy pretty early. So folder, notebook, start. That's it. <laughs> no decorations except for the stickers. And I, I add more stickers as I go through the process. So a notebook might end up looking, you know, very stickerful, stickerful, <laughs> sticker filled. Um, lots of sticky note tabs for various things I need to go back to in the notes. I create, um, text files a lot of times. I make, so I'll go back and forth between writing notes by hand and writing notes in just in BB edit, which is a, a plain text editor that I use. So I don't have to think about formatting in Word, bold, italics, bullets. That's too much for me. I just want a text file. That's my process. And I go back and forth and, um, yeah. So I kind of don't want to start much, but I'm, I'm been, I've been having ideas. I don't want to start because I'm still working on three other things at the same time. So we've got the edits back for the Monsters We Defy. Edits for Savage City will come back in August, and I'm still doing the plot for the 1830 story. That should be out of my hair this week. I have a good outline. I'll be tweaking it. I don't know if you can hear Sherman snoring. <laughs> Sorry if you can. He's noisy today. Um, yeah, so I've got this outline. I've been tweaking it, and I'm going to send that back for feedback this week. So after that, I will focus most of my attention on the monsters we defy. And then starting the process of the idea gathering, making some notes. I don't really want to commit myself and my brain to this fourth thing until something is done, until monsters is done and probably Savage City is done, which will be in within the next couple of months. So yeah, that's that's what's happening right now. Uh, so far, things have been going really well, I guess. This is an up period. We'll enjoy it while it lasts, because I know how fleeting they are. 
But at this point in the process, like I'm not in the midpoint or at the end of any manuscript. And so, yes, life is good. I'm happy. A plotting thing that has been helping me as I plot this 1830 story is from the Plot Whisperer book. And I had used it in Savage City. And I was like, oh, this is good. So I basically am mind mapping the themes. So creating just a chart where I list the themes all around in and, and put them in circles. And then in the middle, um, once I've kind of written down everything I think is a theme, then I kind of come up with a thematic statement of the book. So some of the things on this mind map are friendship, debt, style versus substance, jealousy, greed versus generosity, isolation, um, free will. And so the thematic statement for this new story is that community and personal connections can overcome obstacles. And that's sort of my grounding statement. I'm going to put that on a note card and put it in the front of my note card box for this book. And so when I get stuck on something, having that theme is helpful so that I can make sure everything really is leading back to that, leading back to that and to the main character arc, which I'll also put probably on an index card. And that process really did help in Savage City. And as I'm working on the plot and trying to figure out, okay, exactly what happens, what are the pieces, putting this puzzle together, making sure that I'm clear on my thematic statement as a grounding device is is really useful. And I like that exercise. And so, yeah, incorporating more and more into my process. The other thing that's really helpful in plotting is this quote that I have on an index card from Lisa Crone from the book Story Genius. And it says, it's the constant laser beam focus on your protagonist's story-specific inner struggle that will keep you from allowing surface storylines to hijack the story you're telling. And I've added this to my resource, my pile of resource note cards that I keep front and center, because that helped in Savage City a lot too, and in this story, you know. So I want to, you know, when you have these possibilities, anything could happen in the story, and you're plotting it, and you're like, well, how do I narrow it down? How do I keep it grounded? Laser beam focus on the protagonist's story-specific inner struggle, and also the theme. And those two things should be connected. They're kind of the same thing. Um, yeah. So I just had breakthrough on this plotting that happened this week. I just I turned the corner and just everything started falling together. I still do have um, one part of it, one thread that I'm still working on this week, but... Yes, the goal is to get it, get it complete in the next few days and sent on its way. I am subscribed to a newsletter from the Kristen Nelson Agency, Literary Agents. And there was an interesting article uh, that came, I think, this week. And it's a blog post that I will link to, When the Author Dream is No Longer the Dream, by Kristen Nelson. And it's sort of just like about authors who stop authoring. <laughs> I don't know if they stop writing, but they stop writing for publication. And it's something that I don't think people talk about enough. Um, my agent, Sarah Megabell, she has a certain number of clients that she has in mind that she wants to be her stable, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and one time I asked her, I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot. I think her number was like 50. And she's like, well, not everybody is as prolific as other people. Some people stop writing. You know, I've got several cl clients who they had that book and then they're not really doing anything. And maybe they'll come back in five years and they'll have something. But 
so having, uh, you know, um, a roster of 50 clients is not like every day it's 50, you know, 50 people I'm dealing with. And sometimes people go away and don't come back, you know? And so this article is just like some of the reasons why, um, why authors stop pursuing publication. Some are one book authors. Um, some people just get burnt out on it. Some people have great success and know that they're not going to match that again, um, which is kind of sad. And I think that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that in Big Magic because, you know, she had Eat, Pray, Love, and she knows that she's never going to have another book that big. And I didn't listen to all of Big Magic. I, I listened to be- the beginning of the audiobook, but she mentioned, she talks about that. And I think that's, you know, that, that's real, you know, like one hit wonders. A lot of singers who are one hit wonders kept singing. I think they knew they were never going to get as big, but sometimes I'm sure that they stopped and some of them kept going and, and they're just doing their thing. So sometimes your career runs its course and you stop. Some people are uncomfortable in the spotlight. Some people are uncomfortable with the industry. In the article, she talks about there are, you know, authors of color who just get tired of all of the foolishness. And the changes that have been happening in the industry, especially over the past five years, are just too little too late. Um, some people get old. Some people, life gets in the way. They have other things they want to do. And all of those, of course, are valid. Like, there's nothing to say that you have to pursue this as a full-time career. Some people just really like their jobs and don't want to be a full-time author. And they're happy with a book whenever it, it comes, whenever they're able to have one. And, you know, other people want more. They want to quit their jobs. They want to do this full-time. So, yeah, I just think that it's something people should talk about more because so much of my focus is on authoring and publishing and all of that. But when I was looking back at those videos and um, some of them, you know, I was trying not to be too depressing, but sometimes I was recording when I was just in a bad place. And there was one where it's just like, why am I doing this? I was very stressed. I was sick. I was on the verge of burnout. You know, those deadlines were that I was under were very difficult. Writing books as large and as complicated as I was on those deadlines with work was very difficult at times. And, you know, I was watching this video. I was just like, I don't, I'm wondering if this is worth it. You know, this dream that I've had, at what point do I determine that it's not? And, you know, I got through that and I'm, I'm still excited to be here and, and, and tell stories and write and be in the publishing industry um, with the ups and downs. But there's, there might come a time when I decide that it's not worth it. And when I decide that the toll is too great or maybe I, I stop having things to say. I mean, I, I don't, I can't imagine that. I've set a long list of potential book ideas and worth more coming all the time. If I get too tired with traditional publishing, I'm very happy to self-publish, but self-publishing is difficult and expensive. And if it becomes not worth it, you know, if you're not making enough money to make it worth it, to make the expense worth it, then yeah, there's, there's all kinds of reasons why you would want to stop. So I don't know. It could happen. I, I'm, I feel very positive and up now, as I said before, but like, you know, you've been here for a while, you know, that there are moods, it goes up and down. It's, it's a, it's a pendulum. So yeah, I thought that was just something important to to talk about and to consider. It's like some people stop and it's, and I, I think it's sad. Um, I, I was actually looking up 
uh, every couple of years, I look up Kachi Malay, who is an author who wrote one of my favorite books, The Sea of Tranquility. It's a YA book. It's fantastic. Um, Colleen Hoover mentioned it, which got me thinking about it again when someone asked her about her favorite books. And maybe she's writing under a pen name somewhere. People do that. Or maybe she just had one book in her and that was it. Or maybe in 10 years, she'll come out with her second book. I don't know. So I check on her every now and then. And it's sad to me if she has stopped, you know, because that, like, that book is literally one of my favorite things ever. Uh, and I don't know her. I don't know what her reasons are. She disappeared from social media a few years ago. I hope she's okay and like still alive and healthy and all that, but she could have not be, you know, I, who knows? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's sad when a favorite author stops writing. Uh, sometimes they disappear into a new pen name that happened with another author, which we found out like, oh, wait, she's been writing this whole time, just a different genre and a different pen name. And lots of reasons, lots of, lots of things happen to people. So I think it's sad, but everyone has to do what they have to do. You know, and if I get to the point where it's not working for me anymore and I need to stop, then I think that will still be sad. But if it's what I need to do, then I don't know. Bittersweet. And also the Olympics have started. I am not a fan of the Olympics. I don't generally watch them. Although this year is the first year that they have climbing, rock climbing. So I probably will watch some of the climbing uh, competition. Occasionally I watch gymnastics and there's an all black female gymnastics team. So I might try to watch that if I remember. Like in the Winter Olympics, occasionally I'll watch ice skating, but uh, I'm not really into sports. Sports ball, I don't care. Um, but I do like watching people climb, so that might be a thing that happens if I bring myself to figure out when, like, what days and times that they're airing those things. But I know a lot of people are super excited about the Olympics, and yay, go USA, go whatever country you're from. <laughs> And that's it for me for this week. Goals, get this plot for this 1830 story done and get my head in the game to start this revision for The Monsters We Defy. I've got about eight weeks for it and that seems like plenty of time. <laughs> I say that now. Uh, it's a, I do have a lot to think about and so I haven't started thinking about it yet so I'll talk about that next week. And then I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the footnotes newsletter and get these show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. And if you're still here listening, I decided to tack on an example of one of those um, video diary posts so that you can hear me be very honest about some difficult things I was dealing with and thinking about and uh, that I think a lot of people, most authors, most people, most artists do. So here's a few minutes from my video diary from April 16th, 2018. So um, I've been having a lot of anxiety about the book launch which is uh, two weeks from tomorrow, some of Glenstone launches. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's normal to have, you know, to be anxious about something big that's happening in your life. Um, and some of it has to do with kind of seeing other books that are launching around the same time or have been um, 
have launched. And honestly, some of it is kind of jealousy about, you know, uh, bigger launches, people who are getting more promotion, publicity and stuff. Um, and, you know, people who got bigger advances. So I know that they're getting bigger pushes because there's more um, of an urge of whatever their publisher is to make their money back. And so, you know, you advertise a big six-figure advance, then I think there's more investment. Um, they're probably spending more money, or they are spending more money and time and, and resources. And so there's some of that going on. Um, and I'm just trying to deal with it. It, but it's kind of bleeding into sleep. Um, and some of it is also just fear. Like, okay, regardless of promotion, push, whatever. Um, because my book, I do have a publicist and some people don't even have that. Like I have a lot of things that I know other authors don't get all the time. So there's an element of gratitude that I'm trying to, you know, use to fight that sort of uh, comparison-itis, as Jonathan Penn calls it, which always creeps in. Like you're always... Um, because most of my feeds are authors and book related, you're seeing, oh, someone's got a review here, or they're doing these blog posts, or they're doing this tour, or they're doing that, this and that. And I feel like I'm not really doing anything. I'm going to be doing some blog posts, but, um, or they're getting a pre order campaign, um, like a pre order contest thing. So there's all kinds of things going on in my head, and some of it's just fear, like, okay, so I'm not. I am getting some things. Is it going to be enough? Is it going to, is the book going to sell? Is it going to earn up my advance eventually? Um, hopefully sooner rather than later, hopefully at all. And will all the books come out? I still have this thing in my head, like, okay, something will happen and then they'll cancel it. And so all the books won't come out, you know, when they bought four books. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of things happening. So it's a lot of, heaviness um, on my heart about even as I'm excited it's like I don't want to be too excited because I don't want to be disappointed if it doesn't work out and there's always this sort of fear that is there that you know don't expect too much that that you won't get disappointed um and that's just all just real you know and I'm just trying to figure out how to how to stay um deal with it. You know, I'm trying to deal with the jealousy with gratitude because I think that's the best way forward. And um, that comparisonitis, that wondering, you know, kind of looking at what other people have going on is not helpful. It's helpful to me in terms of getting ideas for things I can do and like strategies and marketing techniques, but it's not helpful in terms of just my well-being. Um, I also have like these services that tell me when people are talking about the book, like uh, mention.com and where are you? I know I have both because they're overlapping, but I'm canceling one. And so I'm seeing, sometimes I'll see the reviews, like just the headlines and I'll see the stars and I see a lot of three stars, which kind of is like, Oh no, I do see five stars too. Um, I've only ever seen one star, but it seems like I'm seeing like threes and some fives. It's not as many fours that I see. And I don't, I looked at Goodreads like a couple weeks ago and I don't want to, I don't want to get to that, but so sometimes that gets me down, even though I see a lot of people who really, really love the book and who really, you know, are advocating for it. So I just have to balance it in my head and not focus on the negative, which is difficult. 
and try to come to some sort of calm place where, you know, because Jared was like, well, what do those people have to do with you? And I was like, that's true. They don't have anything to do with me. They don't have anything to do with my book, whatever their book gets. I have to stop feeling like it takes away. It doesn't, I know it doesn't take away, but um, I don't know. So that's what's going on. That's how I've been feeling and um, how I'm trying to work through it. 